sinful girl is who I'm, who I'm dating. And really, when you're young and you're dating your first girlfriend, that's not a good situation to be in. You don't want to be with the most virtuous woman. You want someone a little uh, more dangerous, a little more prone to outbursts or um, uh, giving up their virginity or something of that nature. You know, you're looking, you're looking for an edge, an angle, in addition to all the love you're feeling. You know, you have an agenda. You want to get places. And so I was concerned because there was no dancing. Shaw says that dancing is a vertical expression of a horizontal desire. And I can't disagree with that idea because the truth is that while I was incensed with this situation, because in those days, especially then, I was so angry with religions. I was a devout atheist, uh, depending on what minute you talked to me in, you know, because the next week, I mean, we're talking 16, 15, 17, the next minute I was devoutly agnostic, and then occasionally I would flip to being incredibly Catholic, like so Catholic that everyone from those splinter cults is going to hell, except for me, I am saved. The rest of you are screwed. Like I would, I would flip between all these different beliefs I hadn't settled on. I didn't really know who I was. But, um, but no matter what, which one I used, I was incensed that I was, that I was caught up in the situation. And it didn't end there because the truth was that as my life uh, unfurled going forward, all my girlfriends didn't dance. I mean, uh, the rest of them didn't have such exciting reasons. Like, uh, one, one had a bone spur, you know, and, and, and so she just don't, she always haul out the bone spur, you know, she just didn't want to move. Sometimes she just point sort of lamely, like dancing starts, and she would just sort of indicate. You know, and what are you going to do? Go, go, make it bleed, fight the bone spur, dance till it spurs right out of you, or whatever it is they do. They're eerie. They kind of bulge right out of the foot. They're disturbing. I, 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 but all of them had excuses, reasons. They're shy. They don't like to do it. They don't want to do it. No one is dancing. But my lovers, everyone I slept with, who was not my girlfriend, they all danced. Every last one of them danced. And in fact, often, I would meet them dancing while I was, in fact, dating someone else. I'd be dating someone else, and they would have a bone spur, and they'd be like, bone spur, and they'd be out of the game. And then I would be dancing, or we would have a long-distance relationship or some such thing, and then suddenly I'm sleeping with these people. And when I slept with these people throughout, you know, uh, late high school and all of college, always, always, always the lovers danced. They always danced. And you know, the better they were at dancing, and I don't mean better as in that they actually looked better on the floor, but the more they actually let loose on the floor, it was like really a direct correlation, which makes sense, you know, if you think about it. But it's uncanny how, uh, uh, it's uncanny how direct it is. The more people would unleash themselves and just unloose themselves on the dance floor, the more fun they would be if you took them back to the bedroom. There was really this direct connection. The connection was so direct and the effect so wide that I began to think that 
the Baptists might be on to something with this idea. I mean, I can't deny that the relationships I'm having with these dancing people are not terribly virtuous, nor are they terribly deep. They're not terribly deep at all. They mostly revolve around fluids and toe-sucking and whatnot. And well, the relationships I'm having with girlfriends, they're more elevated and we're talking and people have feelings. They're all very tortured. All my relationship girls are very tortured. Probably the, the pattern set by this first relationship where she's saying, I'm devoted to my God before you. And I'm saying, please dance with me. And she's saying, no. It's a little like she's a nun or something. It's, it's all very charged and not getting very far. I found out this afternoon that I know someone who's in the Denver Three. Now, uh, by know someone, I mean that I'm on a, this mailing list with the person, so I get emails from them about everything they do. Whether we actually know each other well or not is debatable. I gave them tickets to see a show once, and they came and saw a monologue I was doing. I spoke to them after the show. We ate Thai food, in fact, together. Uh, I remember her picking at her Thai food uh, across the table, but I don't remember what she ate. That's really all the connection we have. Until uh, today, I get this email, and she's a member of the Denver Three. And who came up with this naming structure anyway, where you, can, you, can, you have a, a, the name of a city, and then a number, and then that's like the posse, like the Chicago Eight, and now the Denver Three, or, you know, the Poughkeepsie Eleven. I mean, I don't, it, it seems it's ultimately extremely extensible, and I think, for myself, I know that a big life desire of mine, a real fulfillment for me of, of, of where I'm going in life and what I'm doing is if I could be part of one of those groups. Like, I'd really like when I die someone to say, Mike Daisy, a member of the Nantucket Baker's Dozen. Some sort of, you know, like, you know, I, I want to do other things as well, but I'd love to have that sort of tagged along, like, you know, like a, an extra medal you get for good attendance or something. I want to be part of one of these groups that, uh, I don't know, disrupted something, or, or they rose in the public consciousness until, until, and it has to be a group. I don't want to be like a Terry Schiavo or something. I want to be a specific group with the, the other people, which is hard, as I work alone most of the time. I don't really know, and I'm not really doing anything that would justify that sort of grouping, you know, the publishers clearing house 56,000 <laughs> doesn't really cover it. So I don't really know even how prevalent, you know, the Denver 3 is. Like, I don't know if it's actually past whatever hurdles it needs to get into full pop culture parlance. Like, I'm saying it, and I can't tell if it actually means anything to anyone anymore. You know, I, I'm talking out here into the darkness to you, and I sense some degree of confusion or uh, anticipation. Like, well, Daisy's pretty good at his job, so presumably he'll eventually explain what the fuck this Denver 3 is. <laughs> I hope he's not just making it up. That'll be disappointing. And I, I am not, in fact, uh, making it up. The, the Denver Three, if you choose to name them that way, is uh, this group of three people who went to one of our town hall meetings during uh, the elect last election cycle. You remember the town hall meetings that our president had across our great nation where people would go to auditoriums which are not, in fact, town halls, and uh, people with 
pre-selected and scripted questions would ask their questions to the president and then the president would uh, give answers which presumably since he's seen actually you know his team has written all the questions one assumes the answers have also been written and then given to the president making it a really elaborate um, an elaborate puppet game, really. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Like, we're going to have an event. We'll call it the town hall. The questions are scripted. The answers are scripted. Please tune in. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure what, what, what spontaneity there is to find, and maybe that's why the Denver Three decided to get involved. They wanted to add some spontaneity. So these three people had the audacity to go to a town hall meeting when they were not actually registered Bush supporters. They went to this town hall meeting uh, because they had this crazy idea that it was a public event that they could buy tickets for. And in fact, they did buy tickets for. Uh, and they, they bought tickets, and they were going to go to it to uh, watch democracy in action, I suppose. So they go to this event, and they're walking in, and uh, people in the parking lot, who may or may not be secret uh, service agents, notice that one of them has a No Blood for Oil bumper sticker on their car. And so uh, another uh, person, who may or may not be a Secret Service agent, they won't identify themselves, uh, takes the three of them aside and lets them know that they're a security threat and they cannot enter, they can't come into the town hall, the public town hall that's it's paid for out of our tax dollars is running this event because ostensibly it's for our voices to be heard. They can't come in, they're much too dangerous, it's a time of danger, perhaps you haven't heard, a very dangerous time, don't come in, please stay out out here, please, please stay out here. And of course, uh, the reason that I'm on this mailing list is because one of these three people is part of the Electronic Freedom Foundation. So as a consequence, they're very loud people. So instead of just going home like we might and getting stoned and being like, ah, that really pissed me off. It was terrible. That was so.